I guess the call I would call, I would say it's it's like a call in my life to to be a part of this tribe of people like you and me that goes out there and want to serve. It is about serving the needs of people to help them live, be brave. Live is a key word because I often meet people who are just doing a half-baked job living. <laughs> I don't know if it makes sense, Gary. And and one side they're complaining about it. On the other side, they're not taking any action about it, and they're just saying, oh, "That's life, you know. That's my life, Mel." <laughs> and and then I think, you know, hey, if I ask you the question. How well are you living? Uh, not not just doing life, right? How well are you living? It is a tough question to answer because they often say, "Well, you know, you know," and they link it back to all the accolades that they've achieved so far. The purpose that drives me every morning to wake up is those three words: live, be brave. I realized those three words were much bigger than what I did as a coach. It became more as a calling in my life that I started to connect with why I am here on Earth and and the limited time that I have left. <laughs> My name's Dr. Gary Crotez, and I'm a coach, podcaster, and award-winning author of The Idea Mindset, a book about how to figure out what you want and how to get it. The unlock moment is that flash of remarkable clarity when you suddenly know the right path ahead. When I'm in conversation with my coaching clients, these are the breakthroughs that are so profound that they remember vividly where they were, who they were with, what they were thinking when their unlock moment happened. In this podcast, I'll be meeting and learning about people who have accomplished great things or brought about significant change in their life, and you'll be meeting them with me. We'll be finding out what inspired them, how they got through the hard times, and what they learned along the way that they can share with you. Thank you for joining me on this podcast to hear all about another Unlock Moment. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another episode of the Unlock Moment podcast. Now, if you've listened for a while then you'll know I love my flowing, meandering conversations with world-leading coaches that bring ideas, insight, and inspiration to you, my listeners. And in this episode, we're going down under to Melbourne, Australia, with master coach Mel Liao. With almost three decades in leadership, coaching, and unlocking human potential in the Asia-Pacific region, Mel serves C-suite executives and their teams to thrive at their best. He's a master certified coach with the International Coaching Federation and leads a global ICF-accredited online school, Catalyst Coach, with a mission to equip 10,000 coaches to impact 10 million people over the next 20 years. Mel is a co-author of three books and author of Engage, How to Stop Living in Default and Start Living the Life You Desire. He's also the host of the 100 Master Coaches show, He's a proud father of three, and together with his wife in Melbourne, they love exploring cafes and vineyards. I think we're going to get on. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing about Mel's perspective on career, life, and fulfillment, 
And of course, those unlock moments of remarkable clarity that helped him to figure out the path ahead. Mel, Liao, it is my great pleasure to welcome you to the Unlock Moment. Thank you so much for inviting me. Just a pleasure to be here today. Fantastic. Thank you so much for accepting the invitation. Now, beginnings are important, and I often ask this question to begin a conversation. Where do we need to start in your journey to understand the person you are today? Very good coaching question to begin with. Um, I would like to start at the place where I was a marketing executive. Uh, That was, I would say, my corporate life before coaching. And what kind of field were you marketing? Well, I was in uh, fast-moving consumer goods. So I worked for companies like Colgate, Johnson & Johnson. Yeah, I also handled certain uh, other brands that I won't mention today. Uh, But I would say uh, they were um, women uh, hygiene products um, and also baby diapers. And there are a couple of reasons why I really enjoyed it. One was, you know, it's... It's just a buzz right? working for companies like that. You, you get to feel the product, you get to, to smell the, the fragrances, you get to meet media agencies, you get to meet the creative agencies and so on and so forth. So it was a fast-paced life and you get to travel as well around the world. So all of that added up was a, I guess, on hindsight, a recipe for disaster when I was having young kids and had to travel and had to do all of that on top of that. So I, I kind of felt like, you know, um, it worked at, at some points in times in my life. But then after that, I kind of felt, hmm, the, the drive that I needed, the continuous energy that I needed was slowly starting to dissipate. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, is this all it is, right, in, in the marketing world? Mm, it's interesting when I'm working with people in transition or entering into a sort of transition phase in their life, I, I often notice with them, and we have this conversation around, you notice what it isn't often faster than you notice what it is. Mm. So you describe their, you know, noticing things, this isn't quite working for me. It isn't quite a fit with, yeah. with the life that is emerging. doesn't mean you necessarily know what you're going to go on to do or how it's going to change, but you start to feel that sense of, if, if, if this is uncomfortable. Absolutely. Do you notice that in your own journey? Yeah, um, many times, you know, um, having been in uh, even marketing before marketing, I was in advertising. Now, that's a different journey altogether because you, you, I was in account servicing, so I had to be in the back of call to my clients. And after a while, I started to realize, you know, if I went all the way to the top to my boss's boss, He's also doing the same thing. He's still in the back of call of clients when they call and have to rush over, take the brief, you know, do all the wonderful things. Of course, pass the work to all of us who, who, who do it for them and then pass it back on. So it's this whole vicious cycle, I would say, that kept on happening until I realized, hmm, okay, maybe advertising is not, not so right for me. Maybe I want to be on the other side of the fence and be on the client side of things. And that's where I, I was attracted to marketing. And then after being there for about 12 years, I realized, okay, is there another fence on the other side? The thing you describe is like the, the kind of the, the curtain lifting, a little bit like the Wizard of Oz, I think, where where, you know, when when you're young and coming through, you see these people in senior positions and you go, wow, what an amazing Mm. 
life they live, what amazing opportunities they have. And suddenly at some point, sometimes you go, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure they're happy. When I left medicine many years ago, Mm. one of the pivotal things I remember about why, why it was that, not why I left, but what I was noticing about kind of the, the, the awareness of really what the career was like was mm. when I met doctors who were 10, 15 years ahead of me. And I thought, wow, I, I didn't know that they're happy, actually. I didn't know that they feel in control of their careers. I didn't know that they feel like they're really sort of driving the bus. And, and it was really strange because I think I'd always sort of put senior doctors on a bit of a pedestal. And I thought, wow, one day I might be like those people. Mm. And then the day when I, I remember going, I don't know that I want to be those people was, was the beginning of, of some of this sort of real pivotal thinking about doing something different. So how did that journey start to shift when you, when you started to go, I don't know that I'm going to be a marketeer for the rest of my life? My group CEO, and he was such an amazing person. Uh, he would connect with people so naturally. And I'm like, you know, the, the, the saying like, when I grow up, I want to be like that person. It, it, it came to me and I was like, mm, I want to be like this person. If I went, kept on on this, I wanted to be like him. He was in control and yet he would be so empowering. You know, the whole dichotomy of both sides of it, right? And I started to realize that I wasn't like that. And I think that was the the thing. I was like, oh my gosh, there's actually lots of gaps in between that I that I have not learned or skilled up, right, to be able to manage this bigger team. And to be very frank, I was struggling. Mm. And that I think was one of the points I realized I had so much more to learn, and and it was exciting. But the, the, the point that brought me to a, uh, you know, that whole pivot was when I left that role and actually left country and I moved from Malaysia, I was originally from, to Australia. So that was the time where bigger changes start, you know, started to happen. <laughs> so I moved country and thinking, obviously, that you know, I could bring all these skill sets from abroad to a new land. And mind you, I, I was um, a student in Australia in the early 90s. So I, I know the culture. I, I know how to turn on my Australian accent, you know. <laughs> um, but that didn't get me to the jobs I wanted. I'll be frank with you. I, I started realizing as I, I, I hit the brick wall or rather I hit the ceiling, whatever you call it, right? Interviews after interviews, meeting up with um, headhunters to, uh, you know, um, employers. Um, it just didn't fit. And most of them either just said, Mel, you're so experienced and yet you don't have Australian experience. I'm so sorry, mate, you know. And another one, because I would be applying for, you know, a, a lower position and they'll be saying, wow, you're overqualified. <laughs> so I started to realize I'm caught right in the middle of that, not having a way out. And I was asking myself, shall I go back, take the whole family back and, and just, you know, just say, it's okay. You know, just, just say goodbye and, 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 and reconnect, you know, because there were people 
headhunters from Asia still calling me, right? But I realized that, hey, I've made the move. And, and best of all, Gary, I've done the celebrations. You know, when your friends send you off, there's no turning back. You know, <laughs> they've given you gifts, sent you off, and you can't be on the next plane back. I told myself, you know, based, I don't know, maybe ego, maybe my face. I just said, hey, I'm going to stay. I'm going to make it work. But I did not know what to do, to be frank with you. And so, can you believe it? All I did was, was probably the lowest point in my life. I did not reach out to my friends. I, I just spoke to my wife. And I prayed. That's it. Something within me started to say, why don't you try something different? And that's the point where I started to ask myself, what else could I do? <laughs> All I knew at that point of time was marketing, you know, advertising, management, leading teams. But there was something else that was calling me towards this thing called coaching. Now, it happened that a year ago before that, I met a certified coach in the year 2004. And there was, uh, you know, a friend of my father's of all, of <laughs> who came back and, and visited and said, I'm a coach right now. And I'm like, okay, you don't look very sporty, <laughs> but you're a coach. And, and then she explained, I'm a life coach, da, da, da. And so that kind of became like a imprint within me, right? And said, hey, that, that it could be something. And that's the same point. One year later, exactly, when I faced the wall, the voice came and said, why don't you try coaching? And that's what I did. I Googled, <laughs> looked for a coaching program. And you know, in 2005, there weren't as many programs out there as they is today, right? So I Googled, I, I wrote to a couple, only one of them came back to me and that was the program that I started off in 2005. And you know what? I'd love to say that that's history, but obviously there's so many things that happen after that. So there you go. <laughs> when I was uh, speaking to Dr. Richard Oshibanjo on, on the podcast, who is chief of staff at Intel and uh, mm. one of the Marshall Goldsmith coaches, and very memorably he said, if you were a product, what kind of product are you? Mm. And it was this idea of finding purpose. And I'm fascinated by the mindset of somebody who's an advertising marketing executive by background, by training. When you went, I'm a coach, what did the marketing mm. advertising bit of your brain kick into in terms of thinking about, well, who am I? What kind of coach am I? Who am I for? You know, did, did you think about it in that way? Or was it a different mindset when it came to thinking about you as a coach? Well, I first thought that I would be a life coach. I tried that out for a year or less. And then I started to find out that, you know, and, and you know, perhaps I went on it wrong. I, I started coaching friends and everyone that knew me. And I started to realize that even some of them were doing me a favor, quote unquote. Um, they were saying, okay, I'll take up your coaching program and, you know, we'll see what, what this coaching is all about. And 
And very quickly, I realized that um, a lesson I told myself is never coach anyone you know. <laughs> so that's where I think marketing kicked in. Right? It's like you're not selling just to the people you know. You're selling marketing to the people that you actually believe will benefit from whatever you're saying their benefits are. Right? Um, and I start to realize that in, of course, that marketing avatar, we, we all often talk about it in, in, in marketing um, picture, the, the perfect uh, person that, that would be taking on, um, you know, or needing your services. To be frank, I didn't think that way either. I, I, I started saying, if I'm not a life coach, then I've got to be an executive coach. And that's how simple it was at the point of time. Fast forward, you know, um, 18 years today, there is different sub-niches sub of coaching uh, versus a long time ago. And these days, you, you can't say I'm just an executive coach, if you know what I mean. So these days, you've got to say something like, for example, I'm uh, an executive coach working with women, helping them through their diversity challenges and they're making allow or helping them their unique voice to come out. So, so you've got to kind of figure out that, that whole line, the whole spiel, right? But in those days, to be frank with you, I just said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm just going to call myself an executive coach and focus on people who are in the workplace. <laughs> Simplistic as it is, it worked actually. Because I would dare say that those were early days. And in early days, you can get away with something as generic as that. And I think a really interesting thing here is lots of people, whether it's in coaching or I've, I've talked recently to a lot of entrepreneurs who are in this space, a lot of people do and rightly shape their path in quite an analytical way. They go, what is the market? Who is the customer? Where's the gap in the market? Where can I fill that? You know, what, what should I be doing? Very reasonable, good thing to do strategically. And then there's also that deep sense of purpose where you go, this is what I mm. was born to do. So there are some things that would be successful, that would be lucrative, but is not me. There are some things that are my purpose that don't make a lot of money, but I choose to do them because it matters to me. What in coaching do you feel links to your underlying sense of purpose? And, and when you think back to that, unlock moment that started it all going when you you sat and you said you know you prayed and you had that sort of shift in your in your thinking how does that connect into your underlying sense of purpose do you think i think everything that you 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 just asked is part of that the greater purpose is that i, I guess the call i would call, i would say it's it's like a call in my life to to be a part of this tribe of people like you and me that goes out there and want to serve. So my, my first big theme about everything that I'm doing is about serving. If I bring it down just one step, it is about serving the needs of people to Help them live, be brave. Those three words took a, a, a while for me to 
to work out what those three keywords live, be brave meant. And, and one of the ways obviously was to look myself in the mirror and, and say, you know, what do you stand for now? What's, what's, what's the deep resonance of, of why you are a coach. And, and these three words came from, came to me um, over time, of course, um, live, is a key word because I, I often meet people who are just doing a half big job living. <laughs> I don't know if it makes sense, Gary. <laughs> yeah. And 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 one side they're complaining about it. On the other side, they're not taking any action about it, and they're just saying, oh, "That's life," you know. That's my life, Mel. <laughs> and, and and then I think, you know, hey. Uh, if I ask you the question, you know, um, how how well are you living? Uh, not not just doing life, right? How well are you living? It is a tough question to answer because they often say, "Well, you know, you know," and they link it back to all the accolades that they've achieved so far, right? So, so that's the first word, right? And the second word is being, right? Because there's this whole sense of your identity tied to it. Right, this this being of yours is greater than just your job title or your your other tags that you have. Like me, I'm a father and a husband and a son and a whatever, you know. And, and so they don't connect with their inner being and the inner drivers, and they're not being authentically themselves. They they often are. Uh, going or living uh, and being in accordance to their peer pressure, the things around them. Um, so that's one of the things I realized that, that is holding them back. And then the third is brave. And I think that word is so personal to me because I, I would say that I'm one of those persons that is the opposite of brave. And I had to again, work on myself first on this and say, come on, Mel, why are you the opposite of this? Right? If, if you're going out there coaching people, asking them those tough questions, you've got to start with yourself. You've got to be able to answer them and be authentically you and be brave about it. And, and that's the three words that I realized were the core of who I am as a coach the purpose that drives me every morning to wake up is those three words, live, be brave. And I think that tying back to the, the moment of impact for me was that I realized those three words were much bigger than what I did as a coach. It became more as a calling in my life that I started to connect with why I am here on earth and, and the limited time that I have left. <laughs> now 18 years passed, you know, I've, I've got, I don't know, maybe a couple more decades left. I've got to live according to what I've been called to. And I think that what you've articulated there so beautifully is the power of the unlock moment and, and how it connects to purpose. Because if you're listening on audio, because maybe I haven't got around to doing the video on YouTube yet, then you won't be able to see Mel, but I can see Mel. And I can tell you that 
when he shifted from talking about the marketing side of the coaching, I coach in this space, I coach people who are going through that, you know, that's the, that's the thing, that's the business I'm trying to build. And then he starts talking about live, be brave, and why it's important to him, why it connects to his own journey, his own sense of purpose, his own sense of what he's trying to build over the next two years of his career. It's a different conversation. And when I'm talking to people about how to go that level deeper, it gives you something so much more powerful when you connect into the why of why we do what we do. But it's a really deep why. There are people, I think, I find, who can articulate a sense of why, but they don't really connect to the depth of what they do. And I think what you did there, Mel, that I really appreciated was that, that there's, a, there's a richness to why, as you say, you know, I'm the opposite of brave. And so you connect to this idea of brave for the people that, that you work with, and, and that matters. What coaching would you be doing if you didn't need to build a business and you could just do the work you wanted to do? What would you be doing? <laughs> Why do you ask such good questions, Gary? It's so amazing. <laughs> um, definitely goes back to the, the first reason I, I came up with this word catalyst. So catalyst is the school that you mentioned just now, but in um, 2013, I'm not mistaken, I went to India for a conference and that conference changed my life. Uh, another impact moment over there um, where I met young Africans who were in the conference serving us because we were using their venue and they were training to be social entrepreneurs going back to Africa. That um, really impacted me so deep that I stayed back after the conference. Everyone left and I asked permission to interview these wonderful social entrepreneurs. And every person's story gave me goosebumps. I even teared in a couple of them. And, and I started to realize there is something deeper than this. In the, I guess, the modern world, if we talk about coaching, we talk about all the razzmatazz, right? Everything that we know of, it's, it's for high performers and talents and executives and successful individuals that need to continue to be successful. <laughs> and then I often ask the question, what about the rest? <laughs> what about the the ones that um, out there, teachers, parents, NGO workers, social entrepreneurs that, that come coming back to the story, I realized that no one was coaching them. And so I, I went on the plane, uh, um, went on the plane rather, and I started to ask myself, why was I allowed to meet these wonderful human beings? And I realized that I needed to coach them. I got off the plane, made, made a plan, and started to reach out to them and say, I'm going to avail myself, avail my coaching to you pro bono to be able to help you set up your social enterprise when you get back to Africa, different parts. Would you like that? <laughs> some thought I was mad sorry 
my peers thought I was mad, right? I didn't care, and I just said, "I'm. I've. I've got. I've got time to be able to give this bit in service." Right? As I was talking about serving humanity, and I did that for the next two years. And let me tell you, that was some of the best coaching that that I've done <laughs> to date. Right? It's been so much richer, so much more fulfilling. Coming back to a question, if I had all the time in the world, what would I do? It would probably be this. I would be going back and, and being a catalyst to the catalysts of the future in Africa. What I hear in that, and I, I really like this authenticity. When people write books, I'm always fascinated by the subtitle. So I think the subtitle title is the kind of the headline on the book but the subtitles the specific words you use gives give things away about what's really important so your book is called engage how to stop living in default and start living the life you desire and i'm interested in this stop living in default because that's what i heard in that story you just told you know you made a very deliberate choice to go do something that other people didn't necessarily agree with and you said and i don't care and i really like that so Bring us into Engage. Uh, you know, what's the book about and, and what does it mean for you? So over the years, I've coached, I don't know, hundreds of people. And I realized that one of the things is, besides them being very successful, um, the other side is that there is some sort of insecurity, right? There is some sort of lack, some sort of gap. And one of it is they often go back to the safe spaces of their life to, to find who they are. And some of it is obviously needed, but most of it, they're going back to a place where they're just if I can use my word, not really brave to step out into the new that they, they know that they can get into, but they're just sometimes afraid. And so what happens when we're afraid, we go back into our default and just do things that is accepted, do things that people enjoy, people like of us. <laughs> and we start living a life that is not fully engaged, I call it. And, and that's where it all, it, it all stems from, right? Um, it's, it stems from this place that we choose to be at because it's most comfortable. And I'll be frank, the book is written for me <laughs> because everything <laughs> I have gone through, everything I ask myself, everything... I needed to to make it so authentically, you know, understandable to people that I go through all of these struggles, right? From the first chapter, engage your vision. I, I'm 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 stuck there already because I'm actually not living my own vision. I'm living someone else's vision of me, right? So so that's where it comes from, and I I start to realize that imagine if if an individual, whoever you are, can be able to just take bits of the, the facets of your life and start re-engaging that a little bit, maybe engaging a bit more of your passion or your call or your happiness.
happy, which is different chapters, right? The last one, which is happy. Your, your meaning of happy is so important. Not the meaning what someone else tells you, but your version of happy. And you engage with that. So, so that's where I, I realized that, that as, as, as we live in this world, sometimes we are, we are given into all these pressures, right? Unnecessary pressures that we put ourselves through. And then we complain about, right? It's like, why am I living my life this way? It's because. <laughs> and you know what? It's okay. It's okay if you now realize it and you can say to yourself, now I choose to engage my life anew. That's it. You know, that's the start of your journey. And that's what happened to me, right? I had to come to that point to say, do you want to be known in the market as this coach, the executive coach for whatever, Asian leaders or whatever? Now, is that all? Is that all you can offer? And I start to realize, no, that's not. You know, I want to be this and I want to do this. I want to be braver. Right? I need to start engaging those bits that I'm struggling with. And, and, and as I say, Gary, this book is written for me and for some out there as well. <laughs> And for those of my listeners who are sitting there going, I love this idea of being more brave, but Mel, I just need you to understand I'm so busy. I'm so tired. I don't have time for this stuff. I can't fly to India. I can't do all of this stuff. What's the story that brings to life from people that you've worked with? Little things that people have practically done to start shifting their mindset, shifting their actions in this kind of way. So an executive that I've recently worked with, an amazing person, um, is a single parent. And he realized that um, there is that gap um, between him and his child. Um, and it's tough because he's a top executive. He's got, you know, busy schedule. Then he's got to be father, you know, dad as well. Right? And the thing is, when he realized that he, he, he does not need to be that all-knowing, you know, all having all the answers, you know, like, like an executive has, right? you know, strategic and, and you know, all of the, the competencies, right? Um, he, he realized that he, he just needed to, spend more time with his child. And that's this one little step that he real, he realized that he needed to engage a little bit more with what interest is his, um, his child um, versus saying, you know, I've planned this holiday, you know, we're going here, um, we're, we're, we're going back for holiday, uh, this, this, this. So sometimes, you know, he, he came all prepared like like a, like the CEO, you know, everything. I've planned out everything and let's just execute it. And he realized he had to just drop that mantle at the door and start entering into the home as vulnerable as he can be, as authentic as he can be, and start engaging his child as he is, with all that he is. Yeah. So to me, that is amazing because when, when that shifted for him and the relationship, 
it brought so much more into the other side of the equation in the workplace. You started realizing, oh my gosh, I can be myself. I can start being myself a little bit more even in the workplace. Right? I don't have to be all, all made up, right? <laughs> the perfect leader, you know. And, and, and that really shifted for him. So, so that's just one, one example. It's top of mind. It's really powerful. For people that have read your book or, or people that have listened to this podcast, what's, what's one thing that they can do or a question that you, you want to give them to think about to get them started on this journey? Just ask yourself a simple question. How can you engage your life a little bit more? Just, just open. Just one simple way is just look at one facet in your life. Like for me, right now, I'm trying to re-engage myself back again to being present. I've got a thousand things up in the air. And I feel even right now, I'm starting to lose that presence at home. I don't mind saying that life <laughs> because that's the truth right and as i realize that i realize that impacts the relationships i have with my family members and as i realize that then i ask myself how would i want to engage with that person just a little bit more maybe just one percent two percent that's it and then i realize that hmm okay, maybe I'll have a conversation with this person and ask the person, how is the relationship going <laughs> with us? And I openly tell the person that I want to engage further that this is how I'm sensing. I'm sensing that I've not been there for you in these areas and I would like to. Would that work for you? And that's the start, you know, just having that open conversation with that person that's important for me is that first step. I'm going to engage into being more in the now, being more in the present. Yeah, so I think that's, that's the most practical way I can say it is to find that facet that is so important for your life. And you know, uh, just like I do, uh, the areas that are, Having, we're having those little bit of struggle with and just take that brave step forward and, and face the music a little bit. It's okay. It's okay. It's all good. So powerful. Mel, how can people find out more about you and the work that you do? You can go to uh, two websites. The first one is catalystcoach.life. That's where the coaching school is. And then the other is coachmelliao.com. And you can have all the resources over there as well. Thank you. Fantastic. The Unlock Moment is that flash of remarkable clarity when you suddenly know the right path ahead. For Master Coach Mel Liao, it was realizing that coaching was a life calling, not just a job, that made him shift his thinking to fully embody the identity of coach and a life helping people to live and be brave. Do go and order a copy of his book, Engage, How to Stop Living in Default and Start Living the Life You Desire in Amazon 
and all good bookstores. Mel, thank you so much for telling your story and for joining me today on The Unlock Moment. It's been a pleasure, Gary. Thank you. Continue doing great work out there. Thank you so much. This has been The Unlock Moment, a podcast with me, Dr. Gary Crotez. Thank you for listening in. You can find out more about how to figure out what you want and how to get it in my book, The Idea Mindset. Find me on Instagram at Dr. Gary Crotez and subscribe to this podcast to get notified about future episodes. Most listeners to this podcast on Apple and Spotify haven't yet hit the follow button. If there's one thing you can do right now to help me out, then please click the follow button. The more followers I have, the better guests I can attract for you to learn from. Thanks again for listening and join me again soon here on The Unlock Moment.